Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. I'm Nikki Druce. And I'm Cheryl Hull. And this is Killers, Cults and Queens. The podcast where we're going to learn all about the spookiest, scariest and downright weirdest corners of the world. In this episode, we're looking at a true crime case that is beyond grim. It's the case of the Twilight Killers. Nikki Druce, <laughs> Chains the whips excite me. No, 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 come on. They've probably got Happy Meals because they're 14. Well, these could be lids like playing on the table. Stab, stab, stab. Psychotic. No. Are you ready? I'm not sure, but I'll get some ready. Okay, let's go. Welcome to Killers, Colts and Queens, the show where we take you on a journey into the darkest corners of the world. Today, we'll be looking into the Twilight Killers, Kim Edwards and Lucas Markham. But first, how you doing? Baby, I am fabulous. I am well. I am caffeinated. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I uh, started on a new vitamin regime (laughs) this morning. Have you got a pill dispensary yet? No, 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 not yet. But uh, yeah, I've taken my my ashwagandha, my, my holy basil, my B vitamins... Um, I did one of those like online test things yeah. where they like check out what's going on and that kind of thing, and then they prescribe you like a selection of probably snake oil. <laughs> and so I've been taking it, but I I had a shocker when I just went to the loo right now. Oh my Christ! Because it is like Mountain Dew. It's that color. What green? <laughs> yeah. Look, at least you're taking 
like the reins and going, yes, I'm going to look after my body waddy. Yeah. Uh, unlike me, whereas I had a Chinese last night and I instantly regretted it the first mouthful. So, you know what? Well, it's all about balance, though. Just take some ashwagandha and you'll be fine. Ashwagandha? Yeah. That sounds like a country. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? I promise you it's not. <laughs> oh, okay. I couldn't fit that down my gullet. <laughs> I think I... <laughs> gullet. <laughs> That's my new favourite word. I mean, I'm going to stick to my cod liver oil, my vitamin C. Okay, so what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say the words Twilight Killers? Unfortunately, it's that movie they only made the first 40 minutes through. Well, you would be entirely right there. Because you were joking. It is to do with that. Oh no, we're not going to people that pretend they're vampires, are we? And uh, werewolves. Not quite, but oh, okay. <laughs> it's going in that direction. So you only made it 40 minutes into Twilight. Uh, look... There are some movies that are absolute cult classics. I mean, we've got Redacted Potter that everybody... Like, look, I will I will speak up and say I still absolutely adore the movies. Me too. Hate the author. Yeah, me too. Um, but in terms of, like, like Lord of the Rings, Twilight, mm, it's just like... My issue is when people are so obsessed with them... It's kind of like a boner killer for me because I'm just like, I'm sorry, I just, I don't want to jump on the hype, you know? And like, it builds up the expectations for it to be incredible. And I watched the first Twilight, I went, is that it? That's what I thought. I went to the cinema to see it because I'd heard this whole thing about it being amazing and like this whole kind of cult thing and people loved the books and I was like, okay, let's go. And then it was awful. (laughs) I thought it was so boring. It's the colour grading as well on the film. Like, I'm not that kind of person. Normally, I don't give a crap about that. But why the hell is it blue the whole way through? Also, why do I have to watch the movie at a 45 degree tilt of my head? Exactly. Like, why is everything like that with Muse playing in the background? <laughs> Sorry, it's a no from me. Okay, well, prepare yourself because it's about to get decidedly grim in here. All right, Nelly, it's getting grim in here. <laughs> so put back on your clothes. Because <laughs> it's filth. In a word, filth. Yeah. It's a quiet Friday morning in April 2016 in Spalding, Lincoln. Inside a suburban two-bedroom house, a young teenage couple are spending the morning lounging around in the living room in a makeshift den made from a mattress on the living room floor. Over the past couple of days, they've been chilling out, doing teenage things like eating junk food, watching their favourite movie Twilight, and having a few drinks. But their extended sleepover is about to be interrupted. There's a loud knock on the door, the family dog is going berserk, and the people outside want to come in. However, the threat isn't coming from outside. What lies upstairs in this residential house is far more disturbing. The bodies of two people who have been ruthlessly murdered. But what led to such a brutal double murder, and who was responsible? Let's find out. What? (laughs) I mean, we really have jumped to the deep end already. Look, I love a sleepover, I love a slumber party, but I would not be able to have fun downstairs when I know that two corpses are upstairs. Yep, this one's pretty terrifying. Kim Edwards was born in 2002 in Spalding, Lincolnshire, to Liz and Peter Edwards. Liz was a dinner lady at a nearby primary school, and Peter was an absentee father. Kim was the middle child of the family. She had a much older half-sister, Mary, who was from her mum's previous relationship, 
and not long after the birth of Kim's younger sister, Katie, Peter left the family and soon became estranged, leaving Liz on her own to look after the two young girls. From the outside, the Edwards family seemed like every other family. Liz was a caring and doting mother, an active member of the community, not only working at a local school as a dinner lady, but also volunteering at the charity shop in town. Kim was your typical surly teenage older sister, but she was also prone to bouts of depression. And Katie was the baby of the family, the far more cheerful and likeable of the two. From the outside, things were seemingly normal, but on the inside, tensions had been growing for years. Liz did her best with parenting the two girls, but what with Kim being quite difficult to manage, it seemed to her that her mum favoured her younger sister, Katie, over her. She thought that Katie was seen as the angel of the family, and not only that, her little sister was really popular at the school they went to. Kim, however, was neither popular or got on with her mum at all. Single mum Liz was understandably struggling with looking after a household, and the stress began to rear its ugly head. Things boiled over quite early on after dad Peter left home. At just five years old, Kim was hit in the face by her mum Liz after she lost her temper. It was a turning point for the young girl and her mother, and the two had a bristling relationship ever after. However, Liz, horrified by what she had done, decided things had gotten out of hand and bravely called social services on herself. It wasn't long before the authorities decided it would be a better idea for the girls to go into care for a bit, and the sisters were put into foster care for six months whilst Liz got treatment and worked on herself. Do you know what? I think that was such a courageous thing for Liz to do, to really take accountability and really hit pause and go, look, that wasn't right. This is a very, like, intense situation to be in. Like, we've all been there when we're under pressures and whatnot and having to deal with juggling several hats and several juggling balls, if you will. And to to say, I need to work on me and these girls need the best care possible and I can't provide that right now. Liz, look, good on you, gal. And I'm glad she really took the time to focus. Because... I always say this, as I'm a very caring person, and I'm sure you are the same. I always have to remind myself that when I, whenever I get burnt out, it's because I've given too much of myself to other people. Yeah, it's entirely true. And you have to remember that the root of everything that comes from you is you. So you have to look after number one yep. before you can give anything else out. So Liz, we love you. Yeah, I just think it was such a brave thing to do as well to suddenly notice, oh, things have gone a step too far and now it's time to rein that in and to get some help and to move on with a better family situation, which is what she was trying to do. Exactly. But in the interim, the damage of being removed from the family due to her mother's behaviour left significant psychological scars in young Kim's mind. Living with another family sparked a deep-seated resentment and triggered huge attachment issues in Kim. When she returned home six months later, she developed a loathing for her mum and also her darling little sister, Katie. Kim's belief that her mum favoured her sister over her was now starting to spill out. At school, she was quite vocal about it and even confronted her mum on multiple occasions about her theory. But even when Liz tried to explain that she loved both her and Katie equally, she didn't believe it. Kim had begun to despise her mother never forgiving her for the six-month secondment in care, and became the jealous older sister, as, in her mind, she was never given the same affection as Katie, and nothing would convince her otherwise. 
Feeling unloved at home, Kim began searching for affection elsewhere, and it wasn't long before she found a boy at school who seemed to understand her own struggles, Lucas Markham. Lucas was having his own family issues. He allegedly grew up in an environment of domestic violence, and so when he was very young, he was removed from his childhood home and placed in the care of his aunt. Whilst he and his brothers were living with his aunt, his mum was battling leukaemia, but she lost the fight and sadly passed away. Oh, bless her. Obviously dealing with an enormous amount of emotional turmoil, Lucas started acting up at school. His quiet and relaxed demeanour evaporated and was replaced by anger, which began erupting during lessons. He changed from a student who loved maths to one who couldn't concentrate, having huge mood swings. His classmates would find him friendly one second and then all of a sudden angry and violent the next, scrapping with other children. As a result, he spent a lot of time in the behavioural unit at school. Oh, it's such a shame, like, these beautiful, gorgeous children, just purely of circumstances that they're put in, get put under these amount of stress that really changes everything about them. And like... Like we say, these kids are so impressionable and they're sponges and they absorb all this environmental information that it's just so hard to comprehend. So it's very isolating, isn't it? Yeah, entirely it is. Um, and also, if you think back to the Slender Man, yeah. it's a similar sort of thing. They're kids that are looking for something... Um, to make themselves feel happier. And in this case, it's people that are from a similar situation. So it's two people that are going through a really bad time and they join together. So their headspaces are not fantastic to begin with. It's also adding fuel to the fire yeah. because you're just fueling each other's angst and upset that you can't see anything beyond this world. So... As much as it seems like the correct thing to be with somebody that can sympathise and empathise. Wait, is that the same word, just in a different... No, those are two different words. Oh, okay. Yeah. Show us dictionary. <laughs> look, look at me trying to uh, broaden my horizons. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you need that outside voice yeah. that can lift you up. Yeah, entirely. So it's at school in early 2016 that Kim and Lucas meet. Kim first noticed Lucas when, during one of his mood swings, he threw a chair across the classroom. What? <laughs> I know. Well, it's one way to make a girl notice you, isn't it? To throw a piece of furniture across a room, I guess. I mean, you're not going to miss into. that. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Nikki Druce, <laughs> chains of whips excite me. No, 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 come on. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those things where you can, I, I can just imagine the scene as well. I can see it in my mind of her sitting there. And him being angry and the angsty kid at the front of the class. And she's like, oh, I like this. Do you know what I could imagine? Do you remember those ugly blue chairs that you had in school? Yes, the ones that used to always fall apart on like the left back leg for some reason. It would be that chair, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be that chair. <laughs> that specific chair. Both of them could relate to each other with their difficult upbringings. And so it was like a moth to a flame. And before long, they were desperately in love. I'm using air quotes there, by the way, everybody listening at home. Yeah. Kim, now besotted with Lucas, would spend all of her morning and lunchtime breaks visiting Lucas in the behavioural unit 
and they were open about their relationship in school, cuddling and kissing all the time, not Blech. caring who they were in front of. Oh, just blah, no. Blah. <laughs> no PDAs, please. Keep Absolutely them to yourselves. <laughs> Interestingly, a friend of theirs at the time said that they were always pretty relaxed when they were together, which was a shift from their separate angsty personalities. So these are your typical angsty teens that we're talking about here. If this was set in 2007, I can only imagine like Fallout Boy playing in the background as they're kissing. Oh, pretty much, yeah. yeah. Kim and Lucas started spending all their time together, but problems started to arise when Liz, Kim's mum, voiced her dislike of Lucas. Now, we said earlier that Kim's father, Peter, was estranged from the family. That's because he was sadly a drug addict and abused Liz quite a lot. Liz had even spent a lot of time in a few different refuges after leaving Peter for her own safety. And so she knew the early warning signs of a bad egg. And to her, Lucas was rotten. Look, I'm glad that Liz can actually see. Because from everything we've had with the parents in the past, they're oblivious to what's going on. So I'm glad that Liz is on top of it and can actually acknowledge, like, look, darling, this is not a good egg for you. You need to get down to Sainsbury's and get yourself some fresh packet of eight. No, they don't even come on a packet of eight. Six or twelve. Six or twelve, yeah. Yeah. It's nice that she's acknowledging, but I can only see that this is just going to push her further and further away from the mum and towards Lucas McLucas. I think she's doing the best she can in the situation she's got, but she's not going to be able to stop these two, unfortunately. Look, how old is she? Sixteen? Fourteen. Oh, Yeah, there's no telling a 14-year-old in love. They think they're 43 and about to get married. Yep. Watching Kim and Lucas's young love develop, Liz was well aware that this was too intense. At just 14, they were already sexually active, something she didn't approve of because, well, duh. And she thought that Lucas's own experience of witnessing domestic violence in the household made him dangerous to Kim. And she wasn't wrong. Oh, no. So Liz does what any parent would in this situation and calls an impromptu end to the relationship. She bans Kim from seeing Lucas. At first, Kim complies. She stops going to see Lucas in the behavioural unit at break time and meeting him after school. But it doesn't last long. Both Lucas and Kim's moods deteriorated rapidly without each other around. Lucas became more violent and angry, and by March 2016... Kim attempts suicide, but is found by Liz and rushed to the hospital, where she gets better. A week or so later, Kim changes her Facebook profile picture to a sad-looking selfie. Her mum, Liz, leaves a comment saying, where's your beautiful smile? And Kim replies saying, it disappeared. Which, understandably, a week after a suicide attempt, you're probably not going to be your happiest, so perhaps this demonstrates clearly their awful communication between each other. Very clearly. At this point, Kim is out of hospital, but miserable at home. And in a bid to escape her situation, she decides to elope with Lucas. So they both pack up a few meagre belongings and leave. Two days pass and the teenagers are nowhere to be seen. Liz is starting to panic and calls the police, as does Lucas's auntie. Five days after they disappear, they are found in a nearby town by officers. With them, they had a tent, their bikes and some food. How long they thought they could last out there, I have no idea, but it seems like they were happy to just be anywhere as long as they were together. 
Look, I, uh, I will keep it 100 with you. I think I would last about 10 hours in a tent. Yeah, I don't maximum. think I do very well. I've done, uh, did a festival recently and it was awful. Well, it was it was good, but sleeping in a tent is just not my forte. Absolutely not. No. I'll find the nearest travel lodge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, no, 14-year-olds can't afford a travel lodge. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think they've just nicked a tent from somewhere, <laughs> of somebody's garage and off they go. Do you know what this has given me? And I don't think this is very appropriate as a uh, comparison. But it's given me very Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, and I think that's kind of thought how they thought about themselves as well, was that they felt forbidden like they love. were... Yeah, forbidden love. They weren't allowed to be together. So let's run away and live in a tent in the woods in Lincoln. Let's, <laughs> it's let's so romantic. Let's off rabbits and guinea fowl. And... <laughs> Did you know, fun fact about rabbits, you can't eat rabbits like on their own forever because it will kill you. What? Yeah. Apparently there's something in rabbits that builds up in toxic levels in humans and will kill you if you try and survive on rabbits. I mean, a rabbit isn't my first choice of meat, so no. I think I'm safe. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. It's all right, but it's a bit gamey, isn't it? I'm not, I'm not a big fan. Maybe it's a game pie. Yeah, maybe. But Sorry to all that. the vegans out there. <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to try and live on rabbits. But there you go. So if you ever decided to do a rabbit-only diet, don't, because you will die. I'll stick to the Tesco meal deal, thank you. I think that's a good idea. Liz is understandably furious at her runaway daughter, but Kim doesn't stick around to find out how furious. On April the 9th, she leaves home again and heads over to Lucas's house. Together, they barricade themselves into his bedroom. They were planning another escape when Kim realises she's left her contraceptive pill in her room at home. At least that's one sensible point awarded to her across this whole situation, and thank God these two didn't end up being teenage parents. At 14, absolutely not. Exactly, that would have been awful. (laughs) Kim sneaks out of Lucas's window and back to her house to get the pill. But when she gets there, she finds that her mum, fed up with her constant awful behaviour, has thrown every single thing Kim owns away. Anything that was worth keeping is given to little sister Katie. And remember that Kim absolutely hates Katie. The writing is on the walls right now and I I can feel it in the waters. A bit like the pizza bomber, how I jumped, I can see the writing on the wall. And it's bloody. Detective Cheryl is on the case again. Hey, I've got my binoculars out. I'm ready. Exactly. Look, they don't even use binoculars. What am I talking about? Magnifying glass. Yeah. (laughs) I know what you meant. It's fine. You might use binoculars if somebody's further away. Yeah. You're spying on them. Look, I'm keeping safe. I'm keeping a distance. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Keep both. If Close work, far away work. (laughs) I'll keep them on a chain like glasses. Yeah, be prepared. (laughs) Thank you, Scar. (laughs) It was at this moment something snapped inside Kim. The removal of her belongings was all she needed to confirm her mum didn't love her or want her as part of the family anymore. And she decided that was it. Both Liz and Katie had to go. No, I can't. I can't. I knew this was coming, Nikki. Oh, no, 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 no. Deep down, I want to believe the good in good old Kimbo, but... No. Yeah, put that to one side because it's not going to materialise, I'm afraid. (sighs) So Kim is now well and truly distanced from her family. She feels more alone than ever. And guess who's there to pick up the pieces? Lukey baby. Lukey baby. Or Mucus Larkham, as my other half called him last night. (laughs) (laughs) Lucas Mucus. Mucus Larkham. Yeah. 
I will go with that. The 14-year-olds catastrophize together and, of course, start to believe that it's them against the world. The pair would often go for long walks along Coronation Canal, which was a short stroll from both their homes, and during one of these walks, Lucas joked about how they could kill Kim's family. He's the instigator. Mm-hmm. The joke soon turned serious, though. Lucas wanted to help Kim in whatever way he could, and seeing how much her living situation was distressing her, he offered the only solution he thought was right. Lucas starts to really think about the possibility of making this sick fantasy a reality, but in order to carry out a double murder, he needed to do some research. He had a friend at school called Adam Free, and he knew Adam may have some of the answers to his questions. Shockingly, Adam's dad, Warren, had been murdered two years earlier in 2014 after being attacked by a group of six teenagers from the local area with a metal pole after an argument over them damaging his property. The teenagers between 14 and 17, both male and female, were all acquitted of Warren's murder as there wasn't enough evidence to suggest the head injury he'd sustained had been at the hands of the gang or if he'd fallen on his way home after he'd been attacked. Adam remembers that all of a sudden, Lucas started peppering him with a whole host of questions about the murder, how him and his family were after the attack, how they knew the killers were guilty, what kind of questions the police asked in the interrogation room, what was the court process like, how they got away with it, etc, etc. He was really doing his research. Now, Lucas has done his research and seemingly satisfied with what he's learned, he starts to talk to Kim and they begin to flesh out their evil plan. So when you think about people planning a murder, you would imagine that secrecy and being incognito would be key. Well, Kim and Marcus didn't bother with any of that because they planned Liz and Katie's murder in the local McDonald's. Hi, could I have five chicken selects with a barbecue dip and a side of ketchup that we can use as a decoy for blood? (laughs) Christ alive. Look, this is how you know. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. That they are 14 years old. Yep. Going then, to the Mackie D's to plan a double homicide. If you were going to do it, you go to a wimpy because nobody's there. <laughs> I've, I don't think I've ever been to a wimpy. Planning it in a McDonald's, especially if it was like a Saturday afternoon. Come on, you've got kids with like Happy Meals around you with parents. They've probably got Happy Meals because they're 14. I mean, what was the toy of 2016? It was probably like the return of the Mr. Men, you know? Yeah, something like that. This could be Liz, like, playing on the table. This could be Katie, stab, stab, stab. Like, that's probably what they were doing. Like, psychotic. Yes, absolutely psychotic. But you know how in some of these cases, they're actually very, very smart. Like, good old Marge from the Pizza Bomber. She was smart. There was no denying that. These are just kids that watch movies and get excited and just go, yeah, we could do that. Yes. Yeah, I think they just started pulling together a bit of a plan because they were like, right, okay, we want to do what we want to do and we don't want anybody to stop us. So how how do we do that? You know, when you first said that they were planning it, I bet you were going to say they were planning it on like a Facebook group chat. Because <laughs> that would be something I wouldn't have put it past them, to be honest. I don't think they were the smartest when it came to planning this. Evidently. Yep. So the plan... Lucas would pick up four large kitchen knives from his aunt's house. He would walk under the cover of darkness to Kim's house. Once there, he would scale the fence into the back garden and then use some scaffolding on an extension being built to reach the bathroom window. From there, he'd knock three times, the signal for Kim to let him in. They decided between them that it was only fair they did one murder each. So Lucas was the one who would be killing Liz and Kim was to kill Katie. After a few days of planning, Monday the 11th of April rolls around. It's time to commit the crime. Nikki, I, didn't, I didn't mean Nikki, to rhyme there. Nikki. I didn't mean to rhyme. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm We're not trying to set the this. scene and that's doing me laugh. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. I didn't mean to make you laugh. Shall we rework the script? <laughs> it just happened. Time <laughs> yeah. for crime. Murder, murder. Off we go. Okay, so we're going to take things down a level now and it's going to get rather horrible. Night falls and Lucas does everything he's meant to. Packs the knives, walks to Kim's, jumps the fence, climbs the scaffolding and delivers his secret knock. He waits and waits some more. Kim doesn't answer. She'd fallen asleep. No, 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 no. I don't like this already. Uh, it's You're about to do a double murder. Why are you asleep? Because she's 14 years old. But also, what's the time? Uh, Middle of the night. Okay, so it's probably like... Yeah. One, two in the morning, something like that. Of course she's going to be asleep. Yeah. I'd be asleep. Yeah. The only reason I'm awake at that time is because I'm on the clock. <laughs> but this, I don't think I would be able to fall asleep. I'd be too, I'm about to do a murder. Because that's how how much she's disassociated from the fact that she's about to kill her family members. She yeah. She's so far removed that the guilt is not even keeping her awake because she doesn't care. Yeah. So she could happily sleep with a guilty conscience. Terrifying. The next day after school, Kim and Lucas meet back up at their favourite place, the McDonald's. Lucas makes sure that Kim still wants to go ahead with the plan. She says she does. She just said she accidentally fell asleep. They agree to try again tonight and go their separate ways. 
So now it's Tuesday the 12th of April. Again, Lucas does everything he's meant to and arrives at the bathroom window and gives the knock. No answer. Kim is asleep again. Stupid. Well, not stupid, actually quite sensible. So well done, Kim. I don't know at this point whether she's doing it on purpose or whether she has genuinely fallen asleep. Look, the third time will be... Everything's in threes, isn't it? It's true. Again, Kim and Lucas meet at the McDonald's the next day after Kim comes out of school. Lucas checks with Kim that she's really sure she still wants to do this, and Kim assures him tonight is the night. She will make sure she stays awake. And she does. On Wednesday the 13th of April, Lucas prepares the knives and heads to Kim's house. He follows the same route as the two nights previously, gets himself to the bathroom window and knocks three times. This time, Kim is there to greet him. She managed to stay awake. Kim lets Lucas in through the window and into the bathroom. In hushed tones, he shows her the inside of the bag. He's got four large knives. According to the plan, Lucas was to kill Liz and Kim was to kill Katie. They decide in the bathroom that Lucas is going to go first, but Kim is now nervous. She doesn't want to see what happens next to her mum and she says she'll wait in the bathroom until it's over. So Lucas leaves the bathroom and quietly makes his way into Liz's bedroom. Now, I'm loath to say this because it is really, really horrible. So if you don't want to know the details of the murder, please fast forward a little bit here. You can't do that, Cheryl, though. I'm really sorry. You're lucky if you can fast forward. (laughs) The trauma, Mick, I just hate it. I know. I hope you don't think about this one afterwards. I really do. The pair planned that the technique for killing Liz had to involve her not making any noise so they wouldn't wake Katie. So the first stab would be into her neck while she was asleep so they could sever her vocal cords. Lucas creeps into the room and delivers the first stab to her neck while she's asleep. She wakes up and begins fighting him off and he stabs her again. It's a brutal attack and not a quick death by any means. Liz fights for her life and tries to get Lucas off her but she loses and he stabs her a total of eight times before smothering her with a pillow for ten minutes until she stops struggling. Horrifically, five of the eight stab wounds were in her hands and the coroner said she fought for her life which is just absolutely heartbreaking to think about. And the thought of knives in your hands... Because your hands are so fleshy that they just oh, go right through. Oh, it's so horrible. It's so, so horrible. But that's the only way he could fight her off. Yeah. Was to attack the, the only defence that she had was her hands. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Before Liz was pinned by Lucas under the pillow, Kim, who was still hiding in the bathroom, heard the noises and thought things might be going wrong, saying she was worried about Lucas. About Lucas. Not about her mother, about Lucas. Again, she is so far removed that she's thinking about Loverboy. Yeah, and not her poor mother. No. So she goes into her mum's room to make sure everything's going okay. At some point during the attack, Liz held out her hand to Kim to save her. In the darkness, Kim grabbed it thinking it was Lucas's hand, but when she realised it was her mother's hand, she dropped it in disgust. With Liz taken care of, it was now Kim's turn to deliver on her half of the plan. But after watching her boyfriend murder her mum, she decides she can't go through with it. She's repulsed by the smell of blood, which is now coming from Lucas, 
and can't bear the thought of carrying out such a visceral act herself. She told Lucas that she didn't have the mental strength to kill her little sister and said to him that she didn't want to be the one to take her hopes and dreams away. So now she has the remorse. Yeah, maybe maybe don't kill her. You still have the option not to at this point. They could easily... No, 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 because I'm starting to sound like a psycho. But they could have easily explained their way out of it to the sister and be like, somebody's just been to the house and we're trying to fight them off. And come up with a ploy. But no, they're, they're so fixated that they have to follow it through. Yep, and they've already done the one crime and done the one murder. So why not make it two? Psychotic. I know. Forensics later found Kim's fingerprints on the knife she was meant to kill Katie with. But Lucas stepped in and said he'd do the deed for her. What a knight in shining armour. So Lucas repeats the same plan of action for Katie as he did for Liz. This time, though, he only stabs her twice. But he's not sure if he stabbed the mattress, so he again uses a pillow to suffocate her. After the murder, things are strangely calm. Kim says to Lucas that they should have a bath to get rid of the blood. Kim was nervous that the family dog would smell blood on them, and I assume she thought it might attack them. Now, bearing in mind Katie was still lying dead in her bed at this point, Kim carries on as normal, getting changed in the room, putting on a clean pair of pyjamas, which, incidentally, had minions on them. Thank you for lightening the mood. I know. Now but, I've just got TikToks of people painting their faces like minions, so thank you. Thank you for distracting from the, the double murder. Lucas, by the way, is very upset about all the blood, but not because he's remorseful or just plain freaked out. He's annoyed because he was apparently wearing his favourite top, which is now ruined. You wouldn't wear your favourite clothing to go to a murder. Well, you'd think so, wouldn't you? But apparently Lucas is an idiot. Well, I could have told you that from the top of this episode. Yeah, seriously. What an idiot. Oh, no. My favourite boys' base... I mean, boys' base probably wasn't a thing in 2016. My favourite T-shirt's ruined because of this murder I committed. Oh, boo-fucking-who. Exactly, yeah. So now the murders are done, Lucas and Kim are free to do whatever they want. So after they're clean and changed, instead of fleeing the scene and making a bid for freedom, they take Kim's mattress out of the bedroom, where Katie still is, and move it downstairs so they can chill out. They then make themselves a little den in the living room. They eat tea cakes and ice cream, get drunk, have sex, and then to make this evening better, they decide to have a movie marathon, watching, can you guess? Twilight! This is how I know they're not right in the head because they love Twilight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, who who is pairing booze with, like, tea cakes? That's that's not a good pairing. 14-year-olds, exactly. that's who. <laughs> a WKD and a tea cake, please. That's my favourite. Oh, yeah. Give me a Battenberg whilst you're at it. <laughs> so they only watched four out of the five Twilight films because, you know, obviously they were on a tight schedule before their arrest happened. Oh, I can hear the popo ringing in the distance. Let's finish this movie before we decide. What? Look, can we just rewind a second? The fact that they moved the mattress from the room where her dead sister was and they just were casually just going, oh, hi, Katie, how's it going? We're just moving, we're going to do a movie. You're dead. But no, that is not right. Such teenage brains as well. 
Like to go, oh, let's go and make a little den in the living room and have a nice time whilst our murdered family is upstairs. So it's now Friday the 15th of April in Spalding, Lincolnshire, and Kim and Lucas are still holed up in the living room of the Edwards family home. They've spent the last 36 hours getting drunk, having sex and eating ice cream whilst watching films. All the while, Liz and Katie's bodies are upstairs. There's been no attempt to do anything with the deceased family members and no clean-up attempts. Instead, the next step of the plan was one which was yet to happen. Both Kim and Lucas had decided back in McDonald's that once they'd murdered Liz and Katie, they would take their own lives by taking pills and drinking alcohol. They'd even written a suicide note. It said, Fuck you, world. I want Lucas and my ashes scattered at our special place. From Lucas and Kim. We don't give a fuck anymore. What's their special place? McDonald's? Well, that's what I thought, but I don't think so. I think it was down by the canal somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Coronation Street Walk. Yeah, exactly. Christ. But how 14-year-old? Fuck you, world. Romeo and Juliet. Exactly. I'm going to kill myself. Like The whole point of you killing your mum and your sister is to avenge everything that you had been held up against your entire life. And then what you're going to do, you've got to go, right, I'm done now, bye. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense, does it? They've uh-huh. not really thought it through. What with Kim having an aversion to neat alcohol, which she knew she'd have to drink to do the deed, she couldn't go through with it. And of course, if she wasn't going to do it, why would Lucas? With the next step of the plan aborted, it meant they were now stuck in a weird limbo before they were inevitably arrested. And for me, this really shows their age as they seemed frozen in their decision. It wasn't long before people started to notice the absence of Liz and Katie and Lucas's aunt had reported him missing to the police. Concerns had been raised by the school Liz worked at after she hadn't turned up for work. The school Kim and Katie went to were worried too and when the dots were joined, all roads pointed to the Edwards household. Police go to the home to check in, banging on the door. When they get there, they can hear a dog going crazy inside. Which you can guarantee that dog has not been walked in days. Walked, fed or watered, no, I'm sure. No, I can guarantee nothing has happened with that dog at all. But they couldn't have guessed what they were about to find inside. Once they get in the house, they're confused by what they find. They see the front room in an absolute mess. Blankets and rubbish everywhere. And in the centre, Kim and Marcus. When the police asked them where Liz and Katie were... Kim replied with one word, upstairs. 14. Yep. Concerned, the police ask the couple if they're okay, to which Lucas replies chillingly, why don't you go and see? That that has knocked me sick, him saying that. That is not, that is not, well, why don't you go and see? This is why I couldn't be in a job like the police or ambulance or anything like that. Because you have, inevitably, at some point in your career, you were going to have to be faced with these situations. And how on earth could somebody so casually go to a police officer, go and find out for yourself? Yeah, it's just, it it speaks on so many different levels about the kind of character he is, I think, just that one little sentence. Because it's him not taking responsibility for what he's done nope. instantly. Because otherwise you'd say, come with me and I will show you. But he's not going to do that. And he's just, you know, this whole, why don't you go and see? It's very flippant, isn't it? It's very teenage. Yeah. And it's like he's sitting back and going, 
go see what I've just created. Yeah. I'm not going to take you there. Yeah. It's it's the entitlement of it all that doesn't sit well with me. But in some cases, it's like what we've what we spoke about in the past and how the the mental health of some people is given not necessarily a whole pass because they have to have the treatment and support from institutions. But this this person, this Lucas, takes it to another level because there's this evil within him that is beyond mental illness. It is something that is... I don't like to say there's, like, heaven and hell and stuff like that, but I would honestly say he's been sent from a place like that because there is something pure evil within him. Yeah, there's something deep-seatedly horrid, isn't there? I yeah, think, within his... I do not like that one bit. Upstairs, police find a truly horrible scene. Liz and Katie have sadly been dead in their beds for 36 hours. Right, I'm just doing the math. 24. So that's like a day and a half. Yeah. Oh, God. The walls and floors are covered in blood, and the bathroom has blood splatters all over it. The police immediately arrest Kim and Lucas and haul them down to the police station for questioning. Strangely enough, once separated into the interrogation rooms, Kim was super happy to talk about what had happened, and very matter-of-fact. She calmly explained to officers that ever since she was young, she had been a drain on her family, and that this was the only way to stop their suffering. She thought that her mum was worried about her after her suicide attempt, and this way Liz wouldn't have to wake up every day wondering if Kim was still alive. And Katie... She said Katie had to die because she didn't want her to go through the heartbreak and grief of losing her mother. I do not like this one bit. She, what a psychotic little bitch. I'm sorry, I'm saying it. What a fucking psychotic that she has completely flipped. That I'm getting angry. She's flipped the narrative to make her look like the pure fucking angel. I'm sorry. There's there's a very easy way for her to have not worried about all of that sort of stuff oh my mummy was scared that I might be dead and I didn't want to put her through that trauma and then I couldn't have my little sister without a mum so I had to kill fuck off yeah how self-obsessed you know how we spoke about narcissists uh yes queen of narcissism uh yes this Kim bitch what a fucking little bitch yeah I'm sorry Yep, a definite tick next to that box on her form. <laughs> right, Nikki, I will I will level with you here. I am a very happy, kind, loving person, and it takes a lot to get me riled up and angry, and it's very rare that people see me angry, but this little psychotic slag has made me <laughs> hit the roof <laughs> with the fact that she sat in an interview, police chair, on record, on record, saying... My mummy was scared of my suicide. No! No, no, no. It's not right, is it? I cannot wait to hear what happened to them. Neither Kim nor Lucas showed any kind of remorse over the murders, with Kim saying that she felt fine about it and, in fact, felt like murdering for quite a while. (laughs) In court, when pressed about how she felt after she realised her mum and sister were dead, she said she felt a bit sad. I have no words. Lucas felt nothing. In fact, he was just glad the job was done and he'd completed Kim's request. 
He was so obsessed with her, he said that he was just glad he did whatever it took to protect her. I don't think she needed protecting. That's the thing. She there needed was, protecting she, from you. She was fine. And Liz was doing a really good job of bringing her up. My heart is shattered from this case. Despite Kim having not physically carried out the killings, both she and Lucas were charged with murder, despite Kim's defence trying to claim she was mentally debilitated at the time of the crime. They were both originally sentenced to 20 years each, but the sentences were then appealed and reduced to 17 and a half years. No, not in my eyes. No, I would have added more on, I think. In a landmark ruling, even though they were children at the time of the murders, their names were released to the public as a matter of public interest. And to this day, they are the UK's youngest double murderers. I don't think it's a public interest. I think it's a public safety. Yeah. So they know what has bloody gone on in Lincoln. Yeah, and that's why it was done, because they didn't want these two to basically... Well, they're very young at this point, and their sentences are not long at all, really, given the fact the amount of life they've got left. So, Well, they're going to come out when they're in their 30s. Yeah. So we need to know who these people are. So when they are of age, in, so that was 2016, we're now in 22. That's been six years. I'll do the maths for you in a minute. Okay, so they've got <laughs> 11 and a half years left. In 11 years' time, we're going to be in 2033. Mm-hmm. I'm, right, I've got to see in maths at GCSE. So I'm, I'm very, super impressed. I'm my my impressed. maths is awful. I get really sweaty thinking about having to do quick maths. So if you want to do quick maths on my behalf, I'm very happy for you to do that. I mean, <laughs> this, I is, this is a one-off because I'm literally, maybe it's because my brain is You're so like, fueled by this this case that I like. So in 2033, these psychotic people are going to be released out into the world. And who knows, maybe if the system fails us even more, they'll be released even sooner mm-hmm. and be allowed to. Are they under any sort of mental observations whilst in prison? I would assume so, because part of prison is rehabilitation. So I would assume there probably is. Because whatever they're getting, double it. Because especially Lucas Mucus. Yeah. I'm sorry, I will not be stepping anywhere near Lincoln in 2033. I would stay away if I were you. Do you remember that clip on this morning with the woman that had the Egyptian boyfriend? And no. she hadn't had she hadn't had sex for 33 years. Mm. And she's speaking to Holly and Phil. She goes, they go, how was it the first time you had it? In a word, pretty rough. And that's how <laughs> I feel about this case. Because in a word, that was pretty rough yeah just such a grim one and so calculated and cold and self-obsessed and evil and vile So we just have to say the knowledge out there on this topic is vast, much more than we can fit into one episode. So please check our sources if you want to find out more. And if you have been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please, please have a look at the description because there is lots of helpful information there for you. Next time on Killers, Cults and Queens. We're looking up into the sky. Ooh, is that a flying saucer? We're going above and beyond Earth into the stratosphere if anybody's there we'll be going to area 51 i've got my moon boots on and i am so ready rocket number nine take off to the planet (laughs) (laughs) 
subscribe or follow to make sure that you never miss an episode of Killers, Cults or Queens. And if you have a case or a story you would like us to cover, send us a message. See you next time and don't be a killer or join a cult. Just be a fabulous, fabulous queen. See you later. Good night. Goodbye. 